Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is John Keeley and this is the podcast extension of ROI Show 488. Our noted guest for today is Dr. Katie Mack, Hawking Chair in Cosmology and Science Communication at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics, who will be talking to us about the end of everything Astrophysically Speaking, this is a book that she has written and published. The history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. Brett, why don't you get us started? So, Katie, what experiment in your field were you most thrilled about when it was successful or most disappointed in when it wasn't? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um I think that the the thrilled uh, aspect. I think would, I would probably have to go for. I probably have to go for the LIGO experiment. Um, so it's it's a close call between between the Large Hadron Collider discovering the Higgs boson and the LIGO experiment getting its first gravitational waves. But I'm going to go with LIGO. So LIGO is the Laser Interferometry Gravitational Wave Observatory, and it is a machine that detects the the sort of ripples in space itself as black holes collide in other galaxies. <laughs> so it's this incredibly cool uh, experiment where the when when really massive things move around in the universe, um, like they move around in ways like orbits, um, it it shakes space. It creates waves in space, and those waves kind of stretch and squeeze things that are in space as, as those waves travel outward. Um, and this experiment, LIGO, can detect that stretching and squeezing of space uh, that's caused by black holes spiraling in together and colliding uh, billions of light years away. <laughs> so um, it's very, very cool. And the first detection was uh, the collision of two black holes that were about 30 times as massive as the sun. Um, and they were, they were in another galaxy and we were able to pick up that, that wave, that, that sort of shaking of space when that happened uh, through this experiment. And it, it was just such a cool technological achievement. And it's, a, it's kind of a new way of studying the universe, kind of like, uh, like the first time that people were able to use seismometers, you know, to to study the the shape of the of the Earth and the and the properties of the interior of the Earth by by the fact that you know these waves are traveling through the Earth and, and changing how they travel because of the materials the Earth is made of. Similarly, we can use gravitational waves to study black holes, to study the the shape and the and the properties of space. Um, it's just, a, it's just an extremely cool kind of experiment. Okay. Um, have there been kind of, um, other physicists who have looked at the end as we know it, uh, to paraphrase REM, uh, and looked at it from different perspectives or they have thrown in that this is their 30 cents, how they think that we are going to, uh, it's all going to end? Sure, sure. I mean, there have been a lot of papers written about the end of the universe, a lot of books, um, well, a few books written about the end of the universe. Uh, this, it's a very it's a very exciting topic, I think. Is um, it a hot seller? Just, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's less written about the end than about the beginning. So there, there's a lot more written about the beginning, especially for the public, which is part of why I wrote this book, because there really hadn't been anything about the end in quite a while that really went through the possibilities. 
So, and, and the last time somebody went through all the possibilities was before we knew about some of them. So I thought it would be, it would be fun to, to, you know, really capture this. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is something that the astronomers have been thinking about for, for a long time. And, and some of, some of the most fun papers I've read have been about, um, about different possibilities for the end of the universe and what it would look like and what it would do to, to things in the universe and how, like, there's a, there's a paper by astronomer Martin Rees about the, the idea that if the universe were going to collapse again, if they were going to have a big crunch, um, then the radiation as the universe is, is getting smaller and smaller, uh, the radiation that's sort of hardened by that process would, would ignite the surfaces of stars. And all of the stars would have these nuclear reactions happening on the outside um, as space just got so hot and bright and full of hard radiation. So, you know, it's really fun to read papers like that that just get so, you know, you're not used to reading things about, about such extremely violent <laughs> events in, in cosmology. And so it's, those, are, those are really fun papers to read. Um, then there are, you know, there's a paper by Freeman Dyson in the 1960s about if the universe were going to continue expanding forever, you know, could you create like a machine that, that's slowing down its processes, um, you know, continuously in such a way that it would it would effectively live forever, even the, as the universe is fading away. Um, doesn't it seems like that that process doesn't work based on our current understanding of physics? But it was a neat thought experiment. So there have been there have been a lot of really interesting uh, you know studies of of what might what the future might hold for us in the cosmos. I've had kids said one kid once said to me, since the universe is expanding at such a massive level, can I have more time to finish my assignment? Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it uh, and also another question I got to ask you when you were telling your family that you're going to write about how it's all going to end uh were they kind of like could you pick a more uplifting topic or <laughs> um I, so, yeah a lot of people uh thought it sounded like a really depressing thing to spend time on um but you know i didn't find it depressing to write about i i did find that it you know it, it brought up some existential questions for sure. Um, but I find, I find it really fun to think about this stuff. I mean, there's, there's a kind of thrill uh, thinking about these, these huge questions and these huge, powerful, destructive forces, kind of like, you know, kind of like uh, being on a, on a roller coaster, you know, and there's this kind of thrill and, and fear <laughs> mixed together. Um, so to me, I, I thought it was a really fun topic. And, and I think that, um, I think having read the book, you know, my, my family is on board for sure. Okay. <laughs> Terry. Yeah, Katie, of the five theories that mm-hmm. you talk about for the end of the universe, mm-hmm. do you have a particular favorite or is there another that may be coming I in a do, sequel? <laughs> I do have a favorite. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so um, my favorite is one called Vacuum Decay, which is which is not not um, not one of the kind of most uh, standard ones that people talk about. It's not it's not a collapse of the universe or or an, an expansion of the universe. Vacuum decay is this process where essentially you you can have you can have an event happen at some point in the universe that would change the laws of physics at that point and create a bubble of a different kind of space, uh, what we call a true vacuum, that would expand through the universe and inside the bubble the the laws of physics would be different and you know matter wouldn't be able to hold together anymore and that bubble would expand through the universe and just destroy everything <laughs> and that's called vacuum decay um, and I find that to be I find that to be the most fun. Partially because it's a it's an example of like particle physics 
having this huge consequence for the universe, which is, you know, doesn't always happen. Um, and part of it is because it, it's, it's unpredictable. Um, if, if vacuum decay happened, we wouldn't be able to say exactly when it would happen or where. Um, so there's a sense in which it could happen at any time. Although, just to be clear, we, we really don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, we really, we have really good reason to believe that it, that it can't possibly happen for, you know, trillions and trillions and trillions of years. But um, anyway, it's a, um, it's, it's an exciting prospect because of that. Okay, so your Vegas odds are not on that one. Okay. <laughs> Brett? No, no. <laughs> what do you find to be most challenging and rewarding about taking this uh, highly technical subject and trying to put it in a form that the lay public uh, can read and understand? Um, I think the most challenging thing is trying to um, trying to explain topics that that I think people kind of a lot of people sort of instinctively assume are too complicated. Um, what I mean is like a lot of times if I say something about, you know, I study physics, I do, you know, cosmology, people will, will, will say, oh, I couldn't possibly understand any of that. Um, I think that, that a lot of people have had bad experiences with mathematics or with physics and, um, and with people who, you know, maybe don't take the time to really explain uh, these concepts. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of afraid to, to, um, to engage with this stuff because they're afraid it'll make them feel, you know, like they're not very smart or something. Um, and and my, my position in that is that, you know, there's a lot of really fascinating stuff that is totally accessible if it's explained well. Um, there are a lot of things that you do need sort of more advanced mathematics to get into deeply, but, but if you want to have an intuitive grasp of, of some of these concepts, like they're they're very you know they're, it's very possible to to talk through it and, and to really understand it and so I think the biggest challenge is is trying to trying to uh, present things in such such a way so that they're not only understandable but also you know that that allows people to 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 realize that they're going to understand it <laughs> you know um, it's a weird challenge. Uh, but, uh, but when it works, it's, it's, it's really rewarding. And when, you know, I, I, I hear from people things like, oh, you know, I've always, I was always curious about that, but I never understood it before. And when I read it in your book, now I finally understand that concept or, you know, now I have a, a better picture of how this works. And, and that's the most rewarding thing. Okay. We would like to thank our noted guests for the 488th show, Dr. Katie Mack, Hawking Chair of Cosmology and Science Communication at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics, who talked to us about her book, The End of Everything, Astrophysically Speaking. The history buffs for today's show were Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. Friday nights on KALA or on the web at tunein.com. If you're looking for older programs, you'll find them at soundcloud.com. Put KALA Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.